You know, this might sound kind of strange, but for the longest time, there was actually great debate within the church herself as to whether or not it was actually appropriate to have religious arts. So basically, standing back to the 8th and 9th centuries, there was this group called the Iconoclasts, which argued quite strenuously that it was entirely inappropriate to have artistic representations of Jesus and the saints. Uh, partially because of this reference in the Old Testament, the book of Exodus chapter 20, which forbade uh, the production of graven images, but also because they were concerned about idolatry. So for the whole idea from their perspective was that uh, why focus on a visual representation of Jesus, for example, when you can kind of focus on the real thing? Now, fortunately for all of us, and for all of Christendom, quite frankly, there emerged in the history of the church this great figure named St. Irenaeus of Lyon, who argued quite successfully that even though it's true that there's this Old Testament prohibition against making graven images you know, out of respect for God and to prevent idolatry, at the same time since then, there's been a really significant event in the history of the church, namely the Incarnation. And so the whole idea from the perspective of St. Irenaeus of Lyon is that, uh, again, even though it's true there was this Old Testament prohibition, since then God has made a visual representation of himself. To put it more simply, he's made a picture of himself. Again, through the Incarnation, this great mystery of the Son of God taking on flesh, becoming man, and dwelling among us. And so basically to pull it all together, the idea is that through the Incarnation, the all-powerful, all-holy, one-living and true God has become closer to us than we are to ourselves. Or to put it more succinctly, the transcendent God has actually become exquisitely imminent while at the same time remaining completely transcendent. Now, even though this particular thought process up to this point might seem somewhat abstract and even completely irrelevant to us, it actually has really important implications for us, practically speaking, which is basically to say this. If you want to become close to God, if you want to develop this deep, personal, exquisitely intimate relationship with God, it's not really a matter of holding your breath until you become your perfect or ideal self, which is otherwise known as not your real self, right? Instead, it's about meeting yourself where you're at, and more to the point, being gentle with yourself, being kind to yourself, loving yourself. Mindful of the fact that, again, through the Incarnation, Jesus Christ, in His humility, out of His great love for us, has descended from heaven to meet us precisely where we're at. Such that, again, if we have the courage and, quite frankly, the intestinal fortitude to meet ourselves and to embrace ourselves in our weakness, in our frailty, in our sinfulness, therein, ironically, we will find the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, to illustrate the point, think about this really famous parable called the Parable of the Good Samaritan, which you find, of course, in the Gospel of Luke chapter 10. So as a matter of background, this lawyer goes up to the Lord and he asks him a really important question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? In response to which the Lord poses him a question of his own. What do you find in the law? And to his credit, the lawyer answers correctly. So basically what he says is you must love the Lord your God with all your hearts, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And on top of that, you must love your neighbor as yourself. Which very naturally gives rise to this question, then who is my neighbor? In response to which the Lord basically tells him the parable of the Good Samaritan. So as you might recall, the story begins with this guy who's traveling from the city of Jerusalem to the city of Jericho. But en route, he is attacked by robbers who strip him and beat him and leave him basically for dead on the side of the road. In the aftermath of which, a couple of guys see him, but then pass him by. So as you might recall, this priest sees him, but again, passes by on the other side of the road. Same thing with this Levite, right? This Levite comes by, sees this poor man, but then crosses on the other side of the road. The only guy who stops to help this man is a Samaritan. And it's meant to be provocative because the Samaritans were basically half-breeds. They had Israelite blood, but at the same time, this blood was actually intermingled with pagan blood. But again, this is the only guy who stops to help the man who's basically lying, dying on the side of the road. And so the Samaritan 
Anderton attends to this guy's wounds. He binds his wounds, pours oil and wine on the wounds, uh, puts them on his animal, and takes him to a local inn. And then tells the innkeeper, look, I'll pay you whatever it takes to take care of this guy and to basically nurse him to full health. Now, at this point, perhaps I might suggest that the way that people typically interpret this parable, again, the parable of the Good Samaritan, is to look at it basically in one of two ways, both of which are actually quite appropriate. And so one way to interpret the parable of the Good Samaritan is to realize that through this parable, God is calling us to imitate the Good Samaritan, to realize that the question of who is my neighbor is not so much a question for out there, but it is meant precisely to be a question directed to myself. Am I a neighbor? Do I recognize my fellow man who is in need in front of my face? And do I correspond to that need by loving this person in concrete circumstances, as opposed to allowing myself to get caught up in issues of culture, ethnicity, or religious affiliation? Now, a second way to interpret this particular parable is to read it as if we ourselves are the wounded guy left for dead at the side of the road. And so from this perspective, who is the Samaritan? The Samaritan represents Christ, and by extension, the Holy Catholic Church, who meets us where we're at, and more to the point, ministers to our woundedness, primarily through the sacraments, such as the sacrament confession or the Holy Eucharist itself, hence the image of oil and wine that you find in the context of the parable. Now that said, a third way to interpret this particular parable is to read it as if we ourselves are both the Good Samaritan and also the wounded guy at the side of the road, which is basically to say this, all of us without exception, we've all been wounded in our past. We might not have a certain recollection that that's been the case, but you got to realize that whenever we haven't been loved in the way that we should have been loved, a wound obtains. And so, again, when you think of it like that, you know, all of us have been wounded in a whole variety of different ways, uh, sometimes in, in grievous ways. Not necessarily because of a lack of goodwill, but rather because those who didn't love us perhaps weren't actually loved themselves. And so it kind of buys into this common expression that you often hear in Catholic circles, namely this notion that hurt people often hurt people. In any case, the sense of woundedness is often further compounded by the fact that in the aftermath of being hurt, we often give in to a lie. This lie that the reason why I was hurt in this way, the reason why I wasn't loved, was because of something that I did or failed to do. Like I wasn't strong enough or I wasn't attractive enough. And that's the reason why I wasn't loved in the way that I needed or I wasn't loved in the way that I should have been loved. To put it more succinctly, it's basically my fault that I wasn't loved in the way that I needed to be loved. Which often gives rise, of course, to depression, self-hatred, and perhaps even self-loathing. But again, that's why it's important to go back to the parable of the Good Samaritan, because this parable reminds us to be compassionate with our wounded selves, to never give in to a sense of self-hatred, to never say some variation of, why were you walking in the dark to begin with? Why, why weren't you strong enough to fight off the robbers? But again, to be compassionate with this person, to be gentle with yourself, to love yourself, mindful of the fact that what is the great exhortation, not simply to love our neighbor full stop, but specifically to love our neighbor as ourselves. One final example, I'll kind of end with this. So as many of you know, I often refer to the example of Sister Miriam James Hyland from the Sisters of Our Lady of the Blessed Trinity, if only because she is just an extraordinary example of the Catholic thing. But anyways, as many of you know, she suffered from enormous trauma when she was a young girl, as a result of which she found it tremendously difficult for the longest time to kind of face her younger self, right? And so uh, as a result, just to kind of paraphrase, she, she would say that she was ashamed of her younger self and then that her younger self was basically not welcome at her table, if you will. Fortunately, though, after years of, of prayer and, and therapy and introspection, she got to the point where she could fully embrace her younger self. So again, this is sort of a loose paraphrase, but basically what she says is that she got to the point where she could look at her younger self in the eye 
and imagine herself holding the face of her younger self in her hands and saying to her some variation of, it's okay, you know, I love you. I'm not ashamed of you anymore. I'm not embarrassed by you. And you're welcome to be at this table. You are welcome to be at this table. And what do we find in this but shades of what we've been talking about before? What must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to be happy, to be free, to be joyful? You must love the Lord your God with all your hearts, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. But on top of that, you must love your neighbor as yourself. And may God bless you all.